Well, amen. It's good to see everybody here this morning. I think this may be the last time in a while that it hadn't been raining. Uh, of course, it may be raining before we get out of here. I don't know. But uh, we have lots of visitors here with us this morning, and we want you to know that you are certainly welcome. Invite you back anytime that you can to be with us. We have, for several weeks now, been in the book of Hebrews, uh, a book of encouragement. The book was written, and, and for those of you who are regulars, you know, and, and, uh, but for our visitors, we'll review just a second. But, but the book was written to encourage a group of people who were on the verge of giving up. They had come out of Judaism. These were converts from Judaism. And they had become Christians. And now, over the last few years, because of lots of different things that were going on, persecution and other things, many of them were on the verge of turning back, giving up on their Christianity and going back to their Judaism, going back to their Jewish way of life, going back to the Jewish law, going back to the, to the priesthood, going back to all the sacrifices, going back to the temple, going back to all these different things under the old law. And the writer writes to them and says, why? Why would you do that? Why would you you go back to the inferior when you have experienced the superior? And we looked at 13 times, at least 13 times in the book of Hebrews, the writer uses the word or words better, superior, or greater. When talking about Jesus and the new law and the new covenant and the new priesthood and, and all those different things, the new salvation, it's better, it's greater, it's superior. Why would you go back? And so it is a letter of encouragement. And one thing that we have seen through here is that one of the responsibilities we have toward one another is to encourage each other. Certainly the words in themselves, we ought to be able to read the book of Hebrews, we ought to be able to read the New Testament and just innately on our own be encouraged. But I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm a little outside help. You know, I've often thought about this when it comes to athletics, especially professional athletics. And they talk about whether or not, you know, the coach can, can inspire them or whether or not the coach can do this or that. And I'm thinking to myself, are you kidding me? Have you seen his paycheck? It's got more zeros on it than I have ever seen. And you have to tell me that he needs to be encouraged? Somebody has to inspire him? How about the paycheck he gets? But you know... Doesn't matter how big your paycheck is, sometimes you need to be encouraged. Sometimes you need to be inspired. And yeah, we ought to be able to just, on our own, from what God has done for us, I ought to just, I ought to just encourage myself. But it doesn't always work that way. I need your encouragement. And every now and then you may need mine. And that's why our theme verses come to chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firm to the end the confidence we had at the first. We also look this week, there are 13 let us statements in the book of Hebrews. And five of them are found in our text for the next few weeks. 
In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, we looked at the first part of this last week. But verse through verse 25, it says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through this curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with water. Us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As I was reviewing this this week and, and going back over it and, and thinking about where it fits in the, in the context of the entire book, I kind of now believe that this is the sum up section for the book of Hebrews. Now you say, wait a minute. This is the middle of chapter 10. We got the rest of chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13. Yeah, but the writer of Hebrews is like most preachers. He, he doesn't know when to quit. You know, some preachers, none that we know, you know, get to a great point and we all think, whoo, that's a great place to quit. And then they keep on going. Well, that's kind of what I'm beginning to think happens in the book of Hebrews. Because I really believe that this section, chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, is really the summing up of what he's been saying. Now, I think after he got through with that, some other things came to mind, and he wrote on them. But if I were to say, what is the key, what is the, what is the absolute theme, can you sum up the book of Hebrews in just a little bit? I'd say, yeah, turn to chapter 10, 19 to 25. That's it, in a nutshell. That's an outline. That's the theme of the book of Hebrews. And last week we looked at the idea of drawing, let us draw near to God. And this week we're going to talk about let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Now those of you that have been here a while, or maybe just been here on an occasion, you will know that one of my favorite movies of all time is The Longest Day. It's about the D-Day invasion. And it's a long movie, by the way, too. It's not just the longest day, it's the longest movie. But it's a a long movie. And and as I was sitting this week thinking about hold unswervingly, hold unswervingly, there's a phrase in that movie. A British commando unit is is dropped behind enemy lines the night of the D-Day invasion. And their job is to go and secure this very necessary and vital bridge. And they're supposed to secure it because, number one, if the Germans counterattack, they're going to need that bridge. And number two, if the invasion goes well, the Allies are going to need that bridge to continue the invasion or they'll be all bottled up. And as the commander, I got his name written down here, Major John Howard, as he has given his orders, his orders are to to go secure that bridge 
and hold till relieved. Hold till relieved. And if you've ever seen that movie, get to the bridge and the Germans are counterattacking and there's all kinds of things going on and it does not look like he's going to be able to hold to relief and in his mind he keeps hearing over and over again hold till relieved hold till relieved and when it seemed like it was impossible it seemed like it was the very end all of a sudden here comes the reinforcements up the road And he is able to hold to relief. Now I know to you it may not mean much. But to me that hold to relief kept going over and over in my brain. When I kept thinking about hold unswervingly. So that was free. It didn't cost you anything. All right. This morning our message of encouragement is to hold unswervingly. A message we've heard from the very beginning. Uh, Go back one, boy. If you know how to go back one. There we go. All right. Put him on the spot. Our thick verse. Now we have concentrated and focused the first part of this, haven't we? But encourage one another as long, daily, as long as it is called today. That's what we have focused on. Skip down to the bottom. We have come to share in Christ. If we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at first. From the very beginning, the writer has been saying, hold on. Hold on. We went through Hebrews 11 years ago when we first did it the first time. The idea was, don't give up. Those of you that remember, don't give up. I've tried not to say that this time as we go through. But that's what he's saying. Don't give up. Hold on. All right, now, 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 now you can go, Boyd. And another one. There we go. So first of all, we're going to look at what he says. He says, hold unswervingly. Most of us remember Aesop's fable of the tortoise and the hare. Remember that? You know, the tortoise and the hare, and they're going to have this race, and the, and the rabbit runs out, and, you know, and the oh, oh, turtle's kind of going along like this. And, you know, you get the idea, you know, the rabbit's running backwards, and he's high-stepping, and he's, you know, all the kind of stuff. And then he gets to the end, and he just collapses, and the turtle just walks right on by him to the finish line. Our Christianity is not a sprint. It's a marathon. I saw Brittany leave, so now I'm going to tell this story. Oh, now she's in the back looking at me. And I've told it before, so it's not like the first time. But, you know, Brittany decided she was going to run cross country. Brittany didn't run cross country. Brittany was a sprinter. She ran hurdles. She decided she was going to run cross country in junior high. And I said, okay. And so, you know, I I tried to give her a little advice. You know how that goes. I said, Brittany, this is not a a sprint. You know, there's a hundred girls all bunched up at the starting line. And I'm like, don't take off. You know, like like it's a hundred yard dash and try to beat everybody. I said, you got to run a mile and a half or two miles or half, whatever it is. You got to run and all this kind of stuff. Okay. In one ear, out the other. Gun goes off. There she goes. Like, wow. And I mean, she was out there ahead of all of them. 
And if you ever been to cross country and this one was down in some woods and things like that, you know, they, 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 they you lose them. You don't know what's going on. You know, you just, and so I'm waiting there and I'm there at the finish line and I'm waiting for it to come. And, and, and here they come. They're all finishing up one by one. No breathing. Began to get concerned. Began to think she got lost. Began to come out, find her and turn this one other girl. They get to the top of the hill, and you can tell Brittany and her, it was like, kind of like they had this unspoken deal that, you know, we're just going to walk to the end. They got to where that other girl could see her, a girl sprinted to the end. <laughs> but that's not what Christianity, that's, that's a lot like Christianity is about a sprint. It's about a marathon. The Christian is much more like it. Over and over again in the book of Hebrews, and the rest of the New Testament, the appeal and the plea and the prayer is to hang on. Paul, at the end of his life, said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Sometimes we're strong in our faith. Nothing can move us. Have you ever felt that way sometimes in your faith? You just, you know, it, it, it's it's... Everything is going well and every, and I'm strong in my faith. And I, but there are some other times when things aren't going well. When we're just barely holding on. But hold on. Do not give up. Encourage one another. It's okay. It's okay to hold on. We, I think, I think we don't share with each other enough our struggles and our weaknesses and so in our own lives we we feel that we are just barely hanging on we feel guilty wow look at everybody else look at how strong they are they wouldn't understand what I'm going through. They wouldn't understand that I am, I am at my rope's end. I am, I am just about to give up. They would not understand that I'm just barely holding on. Yeah, we would. Yeah, we would because most of us have been there at times in our lives. But our encouragement and our plea to one another... Is to hold on. Don't give up. Help is on its way. Help is here. So don't give up. Keep encouraging each other. The second point though is that holding on is only as good as what we are holding on to. Go ahead, Boyd. It doesn't do any good to hold on to something. If that something isn't very secure. I was telling the story, as you know, you know, we took this trip out to the Grand Canyon. And you know me and heights. Not a thing. I don't like heights. And we did this kind of tour at, at sunset where we got on this bus and our tour guide take, took us to these different places along the canyon. And we could get out and see it. And then we went to a specific place for sunset. But, but at one of these places, he lets us out. And there's a railing here. Just imagine that's the Grand Canyon. Okay. Got it? 
Do you need a picture? I think I got one. No, okay. And so we're looking out over the Grand Canyon, and then around here was this rock that kind of protruded out over the Grand Canyon. And people were climbing out there, having their pictures made. And I'm thinking, you are the dumbest people in the world. And so I'm sitting here, and so the tour guide asked me in Kenya, well, don't you want to go out there? I'll take your picture. And I said, oh, no, I want to be here where there's a secure railing. And I went like this and kind of jerked back, kind of like that. Well, maybe now we know what the problem was. (laughs) But the railing at the Grand Canyon broke. I said, we got a problem. The tour guy said, well, I think I'll report that. I think, yeah, you're going to report that. You see, I put my hope and my trust in that railing. And it wasn't very sturdy. Someone's going to have to fix that, by the way. I don't know what just happened, but anyway, don't be grabbing on to it. It wasn't all that secure. And hope holding on is only as good as what we are holding on to. I used to tell the teens, because you know, there just seems to be kind of a natural tendency that when kids go off to college or leave home or whatever, to just kind of Test things. Try things out. Explore maybe other religions or other philosophies or other whatever. And I used to tell them, I'd say, you know, that's okay, I guess, you know. But you don't let go of what you know is sure. Unless you have something else that's sure. You know... If you want to kind of explore, if you kind of want to investigate, if you kind of want to, you know, but don't give up on what you've always had. Don't give up on what you know. Don't give up on the base, the foundation that you have. Because if you do that and what you reach for is not secure, you're going to plummet to the bottom. I used to think about, you know, growing up watching Tarzan. You remember Tarzan? There you go, exactly. Yeah, and he would swing through the jungle, right? And he'd grab a vine and he'd swing out and he'd grab another vine and he'd swing out, you know. But he had to know that other vine was going to hold before he let go of this vine, right? What we have to hold on to is our hope. Notice that he says it's our hope that we hold on to. Not our faith. Interesting, isn't it? You know, we've already looked at the fact that the two are intertwined and connected. In fact, he said a little earlier in chapter 6, did he not, that our hope is an anchor for our soul. Hope is what keeps us going. Hope for a better way. Hope for the answers to life. We hold on to that hope. 
It is hope that we share with others. It's the hope that we profess and we confess and we live it. Remember that Peter said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you the reason of the hope you have. We have hope. We have faith in our hope. You know, the 9-11 anniversary was not not too long ago. And and I remember watching those documentaries and things. And and they come on every year at that time. And there's one in particular where there is this couple with their little kid. And they're in their apartment. Back a little ways. But close enough that they can see what's happening at the Twin Towers. And they've got their video recorder on and they're, they're recording it. And all of a sudden you hear the wife just gasp in horror as they begin to see people jumping out of those buildings. Why would you do that? Because there was no hope. There was no hope. They could see no hope in the situation we're in. Folks, you may be in a situation in your life where it looks dire, where it looks like there is absolutely no hope. But there is. And we hold unswervingly to that hope. It's tragic when hope is lost. But our third point from this verse is, our hope is also only as good as what we are hoping in. What we're holding on to is only as good as what we're holding on to, but our hope is only as good as what we are hoping in. And in our case, our hope is in God's faithfulness. Our hope is in God's steadfastness. Our hope is in his love. Our hope is in his fidelity. Our hope is not in our own goodness. Our hope is not in our own righteousness. Our hope is not in our own strength and power. Thank God. Thank God that our hope is not in ourselves, but our hope is in God's faithfulness. In our darkest times, in our darkest hours, we hold on because our hope and faith is in God who is faithful. How many in here, you don't have to raise your hand, I already know the answer. How many ever have ever made a promise fully intending on keeping that promise and then didn't? My guess is everybody in here has had that experience. How many of you have ever had somebody make a promise to you and then not keep that promise? And in fact, if that happens over and over enough again, 
you just start not counting on them, right? If they promise, then they don't do it. They promise, then you get to the point you just don't even you don't even count on them. But our hope is in God, who is always faithful to keep His promises. We may not understand it at the time how he's keeping it. We may not even sometimes see it in our lifetime. But God was faithful to Abraham. God was faithful to Isaac. God was faithful to Jacob. God was faithful to Moses. God was faithful to David. God was faithful to Israel. He kept the promises that he made to them. And God keeps the promises and will keep the promises that he makes to us as well. So when we are struggling, it doesn't make any sense when we don't understand why is this happening. I'm just about ready to give up. No, we hold on to our hope because we know that God is faithful. He has promised to save us. He has promised to take us home to be with him. And so no matter how bad it gets, we can hold on to that hope because he is faithful. I go back, you've heard it a many times, those of you from here, go back to our study on doubt. Remember that when we did that doubt? And if you remember anything, hopefully from that, we said when we are in the middle of doubt, when we're in the middle of struggling, if we can just hold on to Or remember two things. God is and God loves me. And that loves me part that fits into he is faithful to keep his promises. God is faithful to keep his promises. So where are you today? Are you strong or confident God bless you. Help someone who's struggling. Help someone who's struggling. If you're struggling, if you're struggling, hold on. Hold on. And I want to challenge you to do something that will be a little uncomfortable. Reach out. You're saying, wait a minute. (laughs) Hold on and reach out. Hold on with one hand reach out with the other. It'll work. Reach out to somebody. Give them the opportunity to encourage you. Because it is not a sprint. It's a marathon. My brother-in-law and my niece are here this morning. They run marathons. Why? I do not know. But I don't know. You know, my brother-in-law I know is running the Boston Marathon a couple times. Let me ask you this, Jeff. I hate to put you on the spot. When you, when you entered the marathon, the Boston Marathon, did you expect to win? No. He didn't expect to win. Have you, ever, have you ever entered a marathon that you won? No. So what? Never mind. <laughs> yeah, you, you see all those people. Thousands of people. I don't know how many entered in the Boston Marathon. And they're all there. And you see them. And you know that 99.9% of those people entered in there have no expectation of winning. But what do they want to do? 
finish. Finish. Now, some of them may want to have a specific time. They want to beat a personal best or something like that. But finish. That's what our writer here is telling us. Finish. Finish. Don't give up. There's too much at stake. If you're struggling this morning, you're barely holding on. Hold on. Hold tight. There is hope. Hope in God's promises. And hope in God's faithfulness. If we can encourage you as you hold on this morning, I invite you to come now to be standing as we sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. And through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.